Hey everybody, this is Eddie Dacius. We're here with another episode. Um, we're excited for this guest. Her name is Jessica Asano. Jessica Asano, she will, she will be here with us talking about her journey and we're going to learn something or two um, from her journey. But before, let's um, let's give a shout out to our sponsor. We have This Day Design. This Day Design. If you need a website, it's uh, 2020, so you probably do. Check out our newest sponsor, This Day Design. So they build a website for coaches and consultants using a straightforward client extraction. You can call them. 857-241-9955. 857-241-9955. If you need a website, you definitely have to call them. And also, this episode is brought to you by Dasius Facility Management. Dasius Facility Management, they manage your property with a variety of services. Call them now, 617-237-0106 or go online at dasiusfm.com. Dasiusfm.com. Like we said, we have um, Jessica Sano with us. Uh, she has worked across uh, various disciplines and has experience in client management, program and business development, organizational assessment, and project management. Um, she is a pioneer in the community. She started her own business. Um, she's a founder and CEO of Systemic Flow. And that's not my word. She's going to tell us more about her. So let's make sure we we have um, Jessica with us today. And we appreciate her to be here with us. Uh, like I said, this is Divine Puppet Podcast with uh, our newest uh, guest, a special guest today, Jessica Sano. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me today. Nah, thank you for being here with us. So like we said, um, if you follow us, um, we have a simple question. So that question, some people say it's a loaded question, but it's simple for us. What can you tell us about you today? Ooh, what can I say? <laughs> that is a loaded question. Um, so for me, um, thank you so much for the introduction. Again, my name is Jessica Sannon. I am a business owner. I am the third of four children, um, the first daughter. And I say this um, just because in my culture, that is a lot of pressure for someone like myself. <laughs> uh, born and raised in Boston. Um, typically, I've asked my friends, you know, what are three things or three words that they would say about me? And, and they said that I'm goofy, I'm giving and resourceful. I think oh, goofy wow. comes from yeah, I think Goofy comes from uh, growing up, I was just kind of socially awkward and I kind of had to find ways to engage and have conversations with people. And so okay. my Goofy would oftentimes come out. Um, I love plan of, plan of, um, giving back to the community. I love volunteering, yes. um, all of that. So anything revolving that, that is what I love to do. And uh, I guess resourceful because um, there's just so many resources out there, so much goodness and richness and information. And so why not? try to indulge and see how we can best access these resources to make things more accessible and equitable in our community. Oh wow, wow, that's that's great, and thank you for sharing. So we will we like to kind of dive a little bit further in our conversation. Like I said, this is a journey, so the question it's up to you. You're gonna take us to that journey. So one way we like to you say a keyword. You said that um, you were a little bit awkward when you said when you were little. Like, can you kind of 
explain the reason we like to know more is because we might have a an um somebody listening to us watching us and then we might be in the same position so how did you identify it how did you get out of it Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, just piggybacking on what I mentioned about being the first daughter uh, in a Haitian culture, um, there was just so much pressure to do what was what I was um, told to do. And so oftentimes I didn't really talk. I didn't really talk back. You know, it was either a yes or no. So growing up, I already had some kind of setbacks in terms of um, being able to verbally speak to people. Um, and I was super shy and timid because of that. And so uh, I say that I'm socially awkward because sometimes I really don't know how to interact with people. Um, okay. And I will say that like the pandemic has made it quite difficult because I would say um, before the pandemic and being in person, I was able to read people. So even though I was super quiet growing up, I was super absorbent, um, observant, excuse me, observant in my, uh, in my environment, the people around me and things. And so I was able to kind of figure out, you know, people based on, you know, how they came or presented themselves. Um, and so that has kind of been my backing as far as how to kind of segue way through social um, awkwardness and then also challenging myself to attend certain events or social gatherings um, where, you know, I'll literally do my homework at the night before or something to kind of um, figure out those, I guess, conversation starters I would want to have with someone so that I don't feel okay. awkward. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's that's me, and and I think oftentimes there's this conversation between introverted and extroverted. Um, I am a very introverted person. Literally, this podcast right now, I kid you not, right after this. Nah, nah, you're doing good. You're doing good. So uh, let's let's talk uh, mostly about your upbringing. So talk about your family dynamic. Uh, talk about your parents. Um, were you born here or? Like take us take take us to that um, journey for them and then for you in terms of um your 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 household dynamic. Yes. Um, so I was born and raised in Boston. Um, both my my parents are from Haiti. My mom is from Caballe. My father's from Port-au-Prince. Um, my dad and my mom both are the youngest in their family. Wow. <laughs> um, so my dad about 10 siblings and my mom perhaps had like around four or five and I would say for her she still has one of her um, brothers back in Haiti whereas my dad has most of his family here in, in Boston Boston okay yeah so I have a very large family um, from my dad's side so all of my cousins okay. all of my aunts name it they're here um, I grew up in Dorchester for most of my life and then moved out to more of the suburban suburban area in Boston um, and yeah and you know I would say that I was very fortunate uh, where I was raised because I didn't realize my mom was such a um, I was gonna say yeah my mom was such a badass in the sense yeah. that like Jessica I think most Haitian parents especially yeah. their mom they, they don't play around right so don't feel bad because that was my case too so <laughs> she was a badass in the family I appreciate it. But she was like, um, you know, the first home that I remember ever living in, we owned. Um, and my parents were very, very family centered. And so they gave me everything that I needed, like in terms of school, um, when I went to go get my um 
my bachelor's in math, when I got my MBA, like my mom and my dad supported me 100 um, percent. Yeah. And so definitely that aspect of who I am in terms of giving back to my community, um, being very family oriented, I definitely would say that came from my parents for sure. Um, but then it had some flip sides, you know, like coming to America, you're you're new here. There were a lot of like cultural differences that I definitely yeah. wasn't aware. And so oftentimes I would compare myself to my classmates who were either white, black American, African American, you name it, who like had different kinds of uh, ways that they were socially interacting with people. So, you know, I would go to class and people are like, yeah, let's go to Cindy's birthday party or like, let's go over. And I would tell my parents like, yes, I want to go to the sleepover. And they're like, no, who do you think you are? (laughs) Uh, But those small little things, it was just super confusing. And so oftentimes when I talked about like that social awkwardness, oftentimes I think it came from like those kind of cultural differences of not necessarily understanding or what I needed to be aware of when I was interacting with other people. Um, But I would say over time, of course, like as you get older, my parents are now like my best friends so I can kind of have conversations with them right now than I wouldn't have growing up. And I think because, again, being the first child, I mean, first daughter, I have two older brothers and a younger sister, um, there was just so much pressure again on me to kind of to to excel, um, to be someone that they can rely on for sure. But I think, again, growing up, as I got older, they realized that there were just certain things culturally that when you take from Haiti, it's just really hard to kind of root uh, in Boston for sure. So um, can you talk about um, your favorite childhood memory? So there's so many childhood memories. The one that I would say... um, and I don't know, Eddie, why this is. I kid you not. Every single time we wanted to go to BJ's or uh, the store used to be called uh, Building 19, literally okay. just like it, it wasn't just my family. My whole, my aunties came, my grandmothers yeah. came, my <laughs> uncles came, my cousins. It was just like the norm. Every Saturday yeah. when we went out grocery shopping, it was like such a family oriented. Yes. Um, and it was like, and, and now I feel like I go to the grocery store just to rush and get things that I need. But when I was growing up, it was yeah. literally it took two, three hours in the store just to pick out five things. Right. Like I, I miss having that <laughs> being able to go somewhere and really having a good time, like just picking things out for your family and things like that. So I would say like just the family gatherings is the stuff that I um, remember most and actually is the stuff that I really miss the most because we don't do it as often as we should. So, and thank you for this um, story about your your um, favorite childhood memory. And I feel like uh, most people, especially Haitian, we like to be together. We like to be in, as a family, like a big family. And they, we we like this type of outing. And I feel like this is um, like a, a common um, ground in terms of what Haitian do. To, um, to develop and to have uh, multiple family members always with them. So let's talk about your, what was your dream job in high school, in college, 
and now so i like if you follow us on 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 this podcast the vibe podcast we like to see if there was any change in terms of oh when you were little you wanted to be a doctor i'm saying and then you say oh nah doctor is too hard or i want to be this so take us to your journey in terms of what was your dream job when you were growing up So let me take it back to elementary school. When I was in elementary school, I wanted to be a chef. I either wanted to be a chef or I wanted to be a singer. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and part of the reason I just, again, one thing you mentioned in terms of the Haitian culture being with family, we also love food. And so I was always in the kitchen prepping food with my mom. And I was like, oh, maybe I could do this for a living. Yeah. Um, but then uh, over time, I had a passion for math, which really ties into what I do right now. Um, but part of the reason why I loved math so much growing up is because I was actually my universal language. So when I talked about um, awkwardness and being shy and not being able to really speak and having conversations with people at a young age, um, that actually influenced my kind of educational journey um, where I needed to find that one class that I was really good at because English was just so difficult for me in terms of how I was translating stuff from Creole to, to English. Um, math happened to be that favorite, favorite subject. Like I didn't have to explain anything to anyone. Um, and you know the case. And so when I was in high school, I actually wanted to be a math teacher and okay. decided to major in math when I was in college. Um, and it turns out that you could do so many different things with math. And I was like, well, yeah. maybe I'll be an actuary instead because there was a specific um like a, what's it called, it track um, in yeah. my math degree where I could become an actu- actuarial science, what it was called. Um, but I struggled so hard with math. Like, you know, I was coming into college with a high head of like, oh my goodness, I'm so good at math. This is going to be so easy. And then yeah. I get to college and I literally failed calculus one and I struggled so hard just to get my degree. What? I, really? I, yeah, I did. And, and fortunately I got it, right? But the moment I got it, I questioned whether I could be, I had the ability to be a math teacher. I questioned okay. my whether I could be in an actuary because actuaries, you have to take exams every year. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm already failing, barely passing my math classes, how can I take all these yearly yeah. exams for an actuary? Um, yeah. And so instead of doing my passion for teaching or actuarial science, I decided to do a year of service um, at Upward Bound. Um where I did a lot of stuff in education and career advancement and things like that. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So, then, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so I, I'm glad you you say um, you try, struggle with math. And can you tell us what what are the most um, what are the three most challenging event in your life, and how do they challenge you? Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, couple of events that happen. One, I would say, um, again, going back to what I experienced in my childhood as far as being the best for my family and, and being the person who's most resourceful, I definitely had a couple of mental breakdowns um, from the time I was in grad school up until maybe 2019 or 2018, one of those years, um, where I was hospitalized a couple of times for several days um, just because I pretty much didn't allow my body to rest. I was always okay. on the go, 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 go. Um, 
Um, And so those were very troubling because for me at that time, I took it as, wow, I'm super weak. You know how, you know, I'm not able to fulfill whatever kinds of, you know, obligations I had at the time. Um, I I definitely felt like I was a weakling. Um, But over time, I realized um, obviously when it comes to your body and your presence and who you are, you can't be everything to everyone. Um, And so one of the challenges through that was trying to overcome how I perceive myself, um, but mm. then also show people that I'm only human, right? I was okay. working with women and I was like, no, I definitely need to pause and I definitely need to rest. Um, also, I try to put so much on me. Um, okay. And so now I'm, I'm doing a lot better with kind of venturing out and asking for help when needed and being a lot more intentional about how I spend my time. Related to the mental health breakdown, I would say um, be part of a challenge that I have, and it's always going to be a challenge, is being able to say no. Um, you yes, know, I know. Especially yeah, that's tough. It's so tough, right? I um, I also go to church, and so I have a lot of zamun, like older women and men, yeah. who are always like, "You got to do this, that, and third. Like, you have to help your community. You need to do this. You need to do that." And I'm sitting here like, "No, I don't." <laughs> I don't how, do you, how do you say that in such polite terms? You know, I'm still yes. that kind wow. of down um, wow. are like probably my top two challenges. Um, and then I would say the final one, and again, I'm still um, kind of going through this, is understanding who I am. So as I mentioned, it was hard for me to have conversations with people. English was really difficult for me to do. So oftentimes I would just mimic what other people said, how other people kind of responded, how other people showed up. And over time, I'm realizing like, this isn't, this isn't Jessica. It took me a while, right? Right now I'm like 20 something years, 20, 29 years old. I'm gonna say it out there, I don't care. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 29 years old and I'm still trying to figure out who I am. And yeah. um, little by little, I'm taking steps to understand that more more and more but then also inviting people to know who i am before i was just hiding and because yes. i was hiding, people didn't really know me um but now that i'm like trying to be more authentically myself and being present in who i am um i'm starting to kind of pivot and see who who are the people that's actually in my circle who are the people that i can definitely re- rely on and who are the people that i know will support me at the end so um. All in all, loving myself, I would say, is like the <laughs> of all of that. No, no, and, and this is great. And I think um, you should be proud to what you have accomplished. And so, this I have two questions. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna piggyback on piggyback on what you just said about learn to say no and learning to love yourself right but before that do how is your family support do because i know haitian they're gonna be there for us they're gonna say they they're gonna be helping us but they're not telling us they love us they're not telling us you did a good job they're not telling us they are proud of us do you do you experience that or do you do you share some can you tell us about that in terms yeah, of trying to change the culture yeah growing up uh we there was no i love you there was no <laughs> there was no yeah. tucking in 
And there, you know, my parents worked a whole lot. And so they didn't really have enough time to do those types of things. Um, but I will say again, over time, and it could be um, because my my parents, because they are the youngest in their family. Yes. Um, and because I'm the third and my sister is the fourth child, like they're, they've learned at an earlier stage compared to my aunts and uncles who are like in their 70s and 80s, that the way that they thought love is or how you should be interacting with your kids is so different. Different, yes. Uh, exactly, than how it's perceived to be. And so nowadays, and I think... I think the struggle with our culture comes from the fact that whenever you're talking to an adult, um, you always have to be the one to approach them. You are the one who has to kind of start the conversation so I know. understand how to respond. And so, again, growing up, it was a lot of me trying to teach and me having conversations yes. about overstepping who I am to them um, yeah. and inviting the conversation. So okay. uh, now they say, I love you. My mom says, good job. I'm yeah. telling you, I'm I know. Like, with Jessica. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because in, this is a transition. This is where it's like a people are learning new things because uh, like we are tough, like in terms of Haitian, like our parents. But uh, me growing up, this was a different case because I found first person to say they love me. Even now I get a beating. <laughs> My mom, even she beat me. She, she, yeah, she got to, you know, like she's telling me I was doing to tell, to force her to do it. But at the end of the day, I'm glad um, they're doing it because this is very helpful for us, for our mental um, strength and confidence. So yeah. let's go. It's yeah, just, go ahead. It's hard because I have been fortunate enough to visit my um, family in Haiti and and I can see it, you know, like <laughs> I can see those interactions still at play. And, and I am grateful and thankful that I'm in a place where my parents have the ability to grow and see different kinds of cultures and different ways that people are communicating with their family. And with it, you yes. know? Yeah. Um, so I can say that for sure. And um, so now you said you learn how to say no. Tell me, take me to that process because I know it's a tough one because they're going to say, especially if you're dealing with um, older Haitian, oh, Malidve, you know, if we can, you know, so tell me, tell me how was it for you? Oh my gosh, it's still a battle. It's still a battle. I don't think it's like a long lasting war. Like you can win battles here and there, but it's just going to be a journey hands down. Um, and I would say oftentimes whenever I try to say no um, to the Gummons, I don't know why. <laughs> no, they make you feel bad. You know, they make you feel like you're not. I'm sorry if I'm laughing. It's just. But it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true, it man. You feel so bad and you hurt inside, and you're trying to figure out, like, yeah. how am I the bad person? Like, where did this come from? And you internalize that. Yeah. And because you're internalizing that, to your point of like self love, oftentimes when I felt like I wasn't delivering or I wasn't good enough for someone, Literally, I would say to myself that, wow, I'm, I'm not the person that I thought I was or, you know, it does affect that, like that self-acceptance and that self-love um, yeah. part you are in that journey. Um, but now, I mean, it depends who I, so let me backtrack. 
growing up again, I, I say this all the time. I don't know why, but even though when I say no to the a lot of the gummons, a lot of them love me. Love, love, love me. I don't know what it is. About <laughs> um, and so, but I've been, but because of that, I've been able to build real connections. Okay. With them. okay. And so oftentimes I would definitely talk about um, what's on my plate. Um, and then I also have my mom. I could you not. There was one time I would say um, a sister from my church asked if I can send money to her family at, at Western Union. Uh, and my mom was just like, oh, you know, my daughter's not home, but, you know, we'll talk to them later, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then my mom's like, yeah, you're, we're not calling her back. She has two daughters um, who is your age. <laughs> and, <laughs> that. and lo and behold, yeah. the lady responded to my mom and she's like, you know what? My daughters took care of this and that's it. Right, yeah. and so I've been able to get some kind of support from yes. older people like my mom, um, who was able to kind of just tell people like my daughter's busy, she doesn't she doesn't have time for you. But again, going back to like building relationships, I've been able to build relationships with these um, people to the point where they know everything that's going on in my in my life. So if I say no that I can't do something, they know I really cannot do it. Wow. Other times, if they're new to me. Um, sometimes, you know, I'm trying to be better at just saying no and that's it. But right now I'm telling them no and then I'm giving them an explanation as to why. Um, and so those are some of the things that I'm, I'm learning to do. Other things that I realized about myself, sometimes people don't even ask you questions, right? So sometimes what they'll do is say, you know, Jessica, you know, I'm working on this and I hear you're really good at it. <laughs> and before, before I, would yeah. respond, I would respond like oh yeah i'll help you out don't worry about it now i'm being quiet right i'm i'm waiting for the app you know you know feeling uh, feeling the blank because they want you you know they study yeah. and they want you to fill the blank and you now yeah. you stay you stay put and they have to finish right yeah for sure so <laughs> i it's, it's been a battle but you know you pick and choose what you like how you want to respond is what i'm learning who i'm responding to and then um you can just build a relationship from there uh, makes sense makes sense so let's go to what is one piece of advice you will give to someone who's starting their career now? I would say, um, ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> If they're starting their career now, um, I would say try to be friends. Try to, let me back this up. <laughs> Take your time. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this. Um, if they're starting off their career, there's a couple of things that I think people could do, but I'll definitely the top thing would be to try to make as many colleagues as you can, not just mm. people with specific department, but cross-functionally, yeah. because yeah. I know there will be times where you will need to work with another person and it's better to try to foster and cultivate those relationships as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, have a coffee conversation for 30 minutes with people once a month if you can, right? Trying to maintain those kinds of existing, um, existing relationships, but then also start building your networks too externally. Finding those mentors or people who can sponsor you at work so you can like take the next leg up um, in your career. 
And then one other thing that I wish I did more of is um, to on, to be honest, really understand when you're about to sign off on an offer letter, understand yeah. the salary commitment that they're giving you as well as your benefits and try to weigh that out as best as you can, because then only then will you be able to kind of advocate for yourself in the future when you have, you know, your three month or six month kind of <laughs> performance review um, yeah. where you kind of ask for more. So those are like my two quick, you know, career advice. Uh, thank you for sharing. So who has been your most important professional mentor? Professional mentor, uh, again, there's so many. I would say one person that comes to mind, her name is Nicole Young. And I say this, uh, she was my boss back at UMass Amherst where I was working in um the source is like student registered organizations, long story short, student activities. That's what it was called. Okay. Um, and to this day, she's still in my life. She was someone, she's someone who has um, written recommendations letter for me. I was, I wouldn't be able to attend, um, attend graduate school without it. Uh, she has given, uh, she has given job references for me. Um, mm. All of that. And, and of course, like those are really great benefits. But literally, I could text her right now and she would drop everything that she needs to do in order to listen to me. So she is someone who um, is great advice. She always is like on the move, always learning to improve and to self-advocate. And she always tries to instill stuff like that for me. So 10 years plus, we're still going. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's great. That's great. So what is the best compliment you ever gotten? Best compliment. Someone ever give you? Um. <laughs> wow. That best compliment someone has ever given me. Um. I would say it. I, I think it goes back to my business for systemic flow. Um. I lo- love to design programs, and a lot of my programs are very intentional about the people that we bring, who is being represented, what the kind of curriculum is all about. Um, and so oftentimes I'll hear from parents to community community leaders about how rich uh, the programs are and how creative in terms of the way that I'm designing those programs are, are. And because of that, the impact that it's making in the community is so needed. And so I think a simple thank you for like bringing these kinds of programs to our community is the best compliment I've ever received um, before. So let's say they are organizing an event for you to honor you, right? And then what would you think would be the reason they're giving you that um, reward, like uh, in terms of your character? So what, if you are to think, what would be the reason they'll give you that reward? Yeah, I would, going back to the three words that my friends, you know, would use to describe me, the one being giving, um, I love, love, love giving back to my community, either through uh, funding opportunities or um, I'm always signing up to volunteer. So whether it's backpack drives, whether it's, you know, creating care packages for people who are homeless, you name it. I think my volunteerism and active kind of community engagement is 
are, you know, the reasons why people would definitely perhaps give me an award. Um, And then again, just going back to systemic flow, I think there is a true need in the community to build authentic programming that is for BIPOC girls. And so um, I think because of that uniqueness and because of our intentionality with who we recruit, I think that could also be another level as to perhaps getting some kind of recognition in the community. So which which of your accomplishments are you the proudest? I would say building my business, uh, Systemic Flow, because it has challenged me. It has challenged me in so many ways. Um, First off, I wouldn't be doing this podcast um, without having started a company on my own. Again, as I mentioned, I was super shy and timid. um, And this gave me a vehicle to challenge myself to say that, you know, Jessica, you do have a story um, that people can relate to. And so as hard as it may be to be the front facing person of an organization, um, I know that God gave me like this essential strength for me to overcome any of those fears. And I was able to do that through systemic flow. Um, and so like before any, I, I could do not, I was not even on social media and stuff. And that's just my own personal kind of tug of war that I have. And yeah. I will say that, like, yeah, now we're, you know, building more equity. We're building more brand presence and things like that. And so I've been able to kind of understand um, a whole lot of what's going on in society through systemic flow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. So now, and this is like a, another, it's not, it's an interesting question. So uh, let me say it like that. What do people misunderstand about you the most? Funny enough, although, um, (laughs) I don't, there's a, I I don't know. Sometimes the way I come off, um, no, actually, let me back up. So remember I mentioned that I'm goofy. Yeah. (laughs) My friends say that I'm super goofy and oftentimes when I'm goofy and when I'm soft spoken, people think that it comes off as, you know, not being confident in myself or not being intelligent, you know, like when people kind of see you in a silly manner, but then yeah. the moment that I open my mouth and I say something real, people are like, Ooh, she, like she said that. And so yeah. I think people just don't understand who I am and what I can bring to the table um, okay. because I have like those moments of goofiness and those awkwardness. Um, and it's because of that, oftentimes, a lot of my friends, even though they say that I'm goofy, they know that I'm actually very serious and I'm very strict, whereas most people wouldn't really see that um, about me. So those those are kind of some assumptions people have when they first see me. All right. No, no problem. No problem. So let's um, take a quick break. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, this episode is brought to you by Dasi's Facility Management. Dasi's Facility Management, they will manage your property with your services. Call them now, 617-237-0106 or go online at www.dasi'sfm.com. Dasi'sfm.com. What comes before making a smart decision? Choices. A smart choice is the best option which is who we are. That's why our clients expect more from us and in return, get more in everything we do. We understand the problem. That's why we thrive for excellence. We don't just create a winning culture. We aspire to be a smart choice, a voice for solutions. We believe in integrity, professionalism, and teamwork. 
our passion is to bring results from our clients by working harder, smarter, and faster. As a team, we always deliver because we recognize your needs. Choosing smart influences us to be the best version of ourselves. That makes us different than other companies. It makes us confident in achieving our goals. It makes us who we are. And it makes us DFM, the smart choice. Hey, we're back with um, Eddie Dasius with our special guest, Jessica Asano. Jessica Asano, she's here with us, and you, we heard about the story. We, we have her for more questions. So, Jessica, one thing I, I, I would like to ask you, what is the most important lesson you have learned over your career? I think the most important lesson that I have learned um, throughout my career, I would definitely say um, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's very cliche, right? But I think yeah. when I started first building my business or even when I was working, I had this immense pressure to make sure everything was lined up and everything was perfect. Um, but as you know, it's not. And I think to remove that kind of internal pressure on yourself to del to over deliver is yeah. not necessary or is not needed um, where you at right now. And so if I had to think back about, you know, what I have learned over time, I would definitely say give yourself grace and give yourself time to really think through specific projects and project goals. Don't try to do it all in one day and don't expect it to be if it's successful the first time around great however you define success great um for systemic flow i was like oh my gosh we're gonna have a program for 50 girls you know and i kid you not two people showed up and, oh, wow sorry to yeah. hear that i know no, but, but honestly it goes back to what i learned in church like whenever two or three like if two people showed up that means something is happening something is worth it for me to continue these programs yes. and so yes, i used to get so upset and mad when i'm like we did we did everything right we, we did the marketing right we did the flyers right where could it have gone wrong um but instead of doing that i'm like you know what what could we do better next time um mm. yes showed up. okay let's try to get 10 let's try to get 15 what else be like what other kind of things should we do to try to like overcome those types of setbacks and so instead of getting upset and mad you just think about what can you do next time wow wow Thank you for sharing. So let's 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 kind of um, I'll take a break in terms of um, okay. You you said um, growing up you were you felt like you were socially awkward, right? And which is a great thing. So I have a question. Did you what, what was it a self assessment or was it somebody telling give you feedback? Combination. Um, I okay. think it was a combination of both of, you know, super quiet. People would kind of sort of bully me, especially when I was in middle school. Um, so you hear certain things, right? You hear certain things about who you are and how people see you. Um, but then also sometimes when I have conversations with people, there were times where I didn't say anything at all and I would just stare at the person. <laughs> Um, and because I was staring, I was like, okay, I guess this is a really bad sign that I shouldn't be staring at you right now, right? Like, this is the socially awkwardness for me. And okay. I say this 
if I was comparing myself to how other people had conversations. Like literally people were just bouncing back and forth with each other, having conversations. There was never any silence going on. You know, people were able to laugh and people were able to have fun. I have such a dry sense of humor, but I have a ton of friends who love comedy, who love interacting with people. So when I don't laugh at certain jokes, people are just like, oh my gosh, she just ruined it. You know, she like killed the vibe and all of that. So through those kinds of interactions, I I realized like, okay, maybe I am a little socially awkward or I'm just, you know, unique in my own loving, loving way. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. So now, this is your chance for you, right? So you're not going to say your best friend's name, right? And you're going to describe that person to me and to the to our audience. So you're going to tell us about their quality, and but you're, ne- you're not going to say their name. <laughs> Can you do I'll that? Do I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do All my right. best. Go ahead. Go ahead. Awesome. Uh, so my best friend is opposite of me. This person is uh, very, very funny, humorous. So there are times where we would interact and they would try their best to kind of like teach me what it means when they have a joke. Okay. Uh, they are an ideas person. So I am an ideas person, but I also love to implement. This person okay. is just like, I'm just good with ideas. You know, you'll figure out how to implement. Uh, this person's very supportive, a very reliable, dependable. Um, this person I've known since I was in middle school. And we have recently kind of reconnected these past five plus seven years. Um, and this person actually has been very supportive of my business and, you know, always get my phone calls whenever I needed a hand. We like go out once a week to have food um, and things like that. So, yeah, this person, you know, you could say that uh, Yang and Ying, what's it called? Yang, Yang and Ying, whatever, like the opposite. Yeah. yeah. When we get together, you know, it's like, wow, you, you would imagine like that we've known each other since birth. All right. So this is the challenge. So they need to comment on the podcast. On, um, <laughs> they can comment on Facebook, on YouTube. So that person need to put their name if they if they guess if they that's them <laughs> so like let's switch to hot topic hot topic this is a fun segment where we talk about important topics question related to your career or your your journey question our audience they don't they don't usually have a chance to ask people in your position so let's go with hot topic If you can hear the soundtrack, it's like uh, it's a construction. So we're gonna go deep in terms of like uh, finding out um, things. So how come somebody who's who describe herself as a socially used to be socially awkward and then they have a business? <laughs> How's that possible? Uh, you know, I ask myself that every single day since I started this business. <laughs> um, but I think uh, going back again, my business is very mission oriented. 
you know, what I experienced in college of feeling like literally I was dumb, essentially, um, and that I was like literally the only um, Black Caribbean women in my math classes. I, I don't want anyone to feel like because they may be the only one or because maybe they don't understand something at that moment um, that they get discouraged to do what it is that they want to do. Um, and so when I think about that kind of experience, it motivates me, right, to overcome that social awkwardness. Yeah. You know, and over time, I'm realizing that leadership, you know, there's not one set of leader. Before, I used to think that leaders are all about they're the best communicators. They're the best people who can kind of like get people on board and invest. But honestly, the way that I am in terms of my leadership um, communication will come at the end, but I yeah. think people, when they see how serious I am and what I can offer to the community, um, I don't need words to kind of talk about that. The work doesn't, okay. you know? Uh, yeah. So over time, over time, I, I've challenged myself to like go to specific events. I challenge myself to uh, enter into accelerator programs and things like that for people so that, that I can kind of overcome that fear of speaking and engaging with people. So um, let's go to you founding um, Systemic Systemic Flow. How was the process? Tell us about the name. Or you choose. Or you choose the name. How did you start? Technically, what was the process? Yeah. So when I got my MBA in nonprofit management at Brandeis University, so funny. Um, literally, in my profession, uh, my personal statement, I thought I had to go to school with a business idea. So I already started to plan out something without even really putting it to fruition. Um, and so at Brandeis, there we had a startup competition, and I applied. I applied originally. The business name was Code Switch because I wanted people to understand that you know um, educational access and opportunity has to go beyond the classroom. It's not just looking at education; it's also looking at the cultural um, kind of differences, race, gender, you name it. And so. I wanted it to be more about kind of that kind of holistic approach to how we're tackling educational inequities. Yes. Um, so I definitely applied to do the startup. And part of the reason why um, I decided to do this, which was a year and a half into my program. So I didn't even, you know, I went to school and I was like, okay, I just have this business idea. I'm not really going to pursue it. Um, but there was like a, a memo that came out from a Google employee that said that women and men are psychologically different. And because of that, they, you know, we wouldn't be in STEM. That kind of made me so furious to think that people were still thinking that way. Um, and it brought back those memories that I had when I was in undergrad about like, you know, being kind of inferior to others, although I never was, of course. Okay. Um, and so because of that, I did a startup pitch um, at Brandeis University. Um, the name Systemic Flow just came out, which was really great when we think about systemic barriers and things like that. Yep. So I was like, okay, why not? Um, and uh, we won second place. And, and it wasn't even the second place that really made me push me to start the business. There was a lot of people in the crowd, a lot of women who are like, I changed my major because of the exact problem that you have pointed out to Jessica. So I realized that it wasn't just a me problem that was happening. So many women were changing their STEM related degrees because they were either feeling like they were the only ones in their class or they didn't have, you know, the kind of educational attainment needed to understand what was going on. And so... 
fast forward, um, we do a lot of STEM uh, enrichment programs for students fourth to 12th grade. We do a lot of math uh, educational basis for high school students in particular. And we try to work with high schools and, and middle schools, you name it, to provide more foundational access and rigorous math courses that they need to have to take before um, going into school or going into their STEM fields. Um, so it's been a process. It's been a journey. We've won a couple of uh, pitch competitions. We've been in a couple of uh, publications. Um, so just super excited about how we have grown since 2017. Wow. 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 That's amazing and great, great story. So let's go with this. Is self is self-love selfish? No. All right, all right, go no, ahead, go ahead. No. You have the floor. Uh, it, it's, it's not. I, again, you know, you, you talked about when we talk to the adults and how they make you feel bad when you say no. Yeah. Right? Because And because of that, I really thought self-love was selfish because, you know, they made me feel like <laughs> I yeah. wasn't giving them my best or I wasn't doing enough for them. And then I realized, like, the fact that people were putting me down meant that they didn't really love me the way that you know I should have been loved or that mm. I love, you know what I'm saying so um, self-love is not selfish because at the end of the day you don't want to have um, times where you know you're struggling to I don't know overcome whatever barriers that come across you know your way for example as I mentioned I had a mental breakdown and I had to be in psychiatric care and um, you know I had to choose myself moving forward and let people know that they can't stop me around anymore so there's this uh this definition i i I found and it says um self-love is a state of appreciation for oneself that grow from action that support our physical psychological um psychological and spiritual growth now what is self-love like how can you um, define self-love for me uh self-love is um to the point of the definition i would say it's an appreciation of yourself um it is self-love i see when i wake up um and I look myself in the mirror, I'm smiling, that is self-love, right? Like being able to display that kind of um, excitement, um, that proudness, I would say. Self-love is like feeling proud or being proud of yourself, being proud that you're showing up who you are authentically, what have you, Uh, being proud to be a part of whatever family you're a part of, circles, communities, you name it. and not necessarily um, regretting um, who you are, you know, moving forward. So, yeah, so, and thank you for, for your definition about self-love. But um, I can say, let me, let me get back with you in terms of, okay, let's say it's kind of, it's like a thin line because you put yourself first, you prioritize yourself. Is that a definition of selfish? <laughs> It depends on the context and it depends on who you are. Yeah. Um, for sure. I would say it's, you know, what you're saying right now in terms of prioritizing you and who you are, it's definitely not selfish. 
Now, how much of that you do in terms of not really understanding your environment, the community yeah. who's around you, surrounding you. Yes. Uh, you don't kind of take account for that and how maybe what you're prioritizing affects another person negatively. Um, depending on what that is, that can sometimes I feel like be can come out to be selfish. Um, but it, I guess it really just depends on the context for sure. No, it makes sense. And I agree with you. I think you gave us a great definition. And I, one thing I can say is if you're talking about self-love, you're talking about self-care, where you make sure you're okay. You make sure things like your mental, your your physical, your spiritual are okay. Because yeah. if you're not right, you cannot even help help people. So that was great. So before we close this segment, that, that was um, Jessica Sano with Hot Topic. back with Jessica Asano so we are on our last minute um, last few minutes uh, before we end this um, great podcast great content great conversation learning more about you Jessica so let, let's talk about um, what do you do on your free time yes um, going back to the self care moments um, especially after I had you know um those types of experiences, excuse me. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of self-care, um, I would say I do, I have started to play the violin. I picked that mm, up. What? Yes, I try. I stopped for a couple of months, but I think I'm going to go back into it. So I definitely do that. I try to watch one theater show uh, once a month. I love theater. Um, okay. Musical, so anything revolving the arts, I'll definitely do. Um, I do write. So uh, in my free time, when I can, I'll write a poem here and there because I love poetry. Um, oh. And uh, again, to your point of self-care, um, I actually have a therapist. So I see somebody once every other week um, and okay. they actually give me like homework assignments on like things that I should work or do. Yep. So uh, with that kind of person who's keeping me accountable, um, I do a lot more in my free time than, than most. No, that that's great to hear, and I think that's very healthy. That's very um, progressive, and I think that should make you feel better and allow you to accomplish more. Talk. Let's talk about books. What yeah. what books can you recommend us today? Yeah, I would say um, the one that's on my list is called Hood Feminism" by Mickey Kendall. One okay. of the reasons why I enjoy this is because when you think of feminism, people always think it's a, a movement for women, but uh, the people who typically benefit from feminism are white women. And so this dives in a little bit more to talking about how this um, feminism actually displays and how it affects uh, women of color, in particular, black women. Okay. Um, one other book is The Memo, Memo by Minda Hartz. Um, I'm still currently reading it, but again, to your your um, our conversation earlier about career advice, this one has a ton of career advice on like what women of color need to do to uh, secure a seat at the table, um, you know, in corporate America. So those are my top two choices of things to read if I had to choose. All right. So you, uh, I'm assuming you know you're not a big fan of movies but you talk about theater yeah uh, so 
any any advice any recommendation to our audience yeah i mean i i do i do watch a couple movies you're so funny it's like you it's like you knew me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, one is a film it's called shoplifters it's one of my favorites i think this is an asian family i think it sits in japan okay Uh, but it's such a beautiful beautiful um movie because it just shows people having a good time like this was the one where you know it was a family where um grew up super poor and impoverished but they made the best of their life Um, and so it was just a really great capture um videos and and memories of kind of the family and how they kind of overcame some of those barriers that they um exhibited in asia so that was really great um and recently i watched anastasia um on broadway so that was a really great um kind of show if you wanted to go see it i think it's done this year but you could definitely watch it all right no problem so is there a question you wish i asked you today no i think you um asked all of the (laughs) the right questions all right let's say you let's talk about your top influencers in your life top five just give me five top five influencers in your life i i don't have five i would say i just have the one and it would just be my mom again um just growing up she was already business oriented um, before i I even knew and so she's definitely someone who i uh, always aspire to be um and so she's definitely someone who influenced my life for sure all right that was um jessica saddle with us today um last word for you jessica really appreciate having you today thank really you. appreciate that much last word for you having uh thank you so much eddie for having me here it was uh really great to talk about my story and journey all right so like i said this is eddie dasius with the vampirate podcast we have jessica sano she's uh the founder and ceo of systematic flow and any website you want to share for um um, uh, numbers you want to share so people if they're interested to learn more about you they can reach you out with you yeah they can either go to uh, systemicflow.com or uh, jessicasanon.com spell my name first and last name.com and they'll be able to see um, any information on how to connect with me after this all right that would be great so like i said this is eddie dasius with divine Pepper podcast this episode is brought to you by this day design and dasius facility management dasius facility management you can call them 617-237-0106 or go online www.dasiusfm.com dasiusfm.com like i said we had a great show i learned about our special guest jessica sano and she she did a great job talking about her career and we definitely had a blessed thank you jessica i appreciate it have a good day you too take care